Welcome to As the Season Turns, a podcast following each month of the year. As the hedgerows change, the full moons come and go, and nature takes its course in the garden. I'm Leah Lander, a nature writer and author of The Almanac, A Seasonal Guide. And this podcast is brought to you by Fern, makers of small-batch organic natural perfume, who blend, barrel-age and bottle four fragrances a year, released at the equinoxes and solstices. We hope that this brief guide to what to look for in the month ahead will awaken you to the rhythms of the year and help you, in the words of the poet Ray Carver, settle deeper into the seasons. Hello, it's February. It's short, it's dark, and right now it's really, really cold. Some months are dramatically different in atmosphere to the month preceding them. Think of the difference between sparkly, gluttonous December and sparse, austere January. Or between languid, laid-back August and busy, productive September. I would say that the differences between January and February are subtler, to say the least. Not a great deal has changed. But some things have. For me, the key to February is the old Gaelic celebration of Imolc, which falls on the first of the month. Imolc has been adopted by new pagans as one of the spokes in their Wheel of the Year, their markers of the changing seasons, and it falls roughly halfway between the shortest day, the winter solstice, and the spring equinox, when day and night are of equal length. It's thought that the name Imolc may come from ewes milk, Use a lambing and the cycle of life is beginning again in the countryside all around us. But I first came across Imolk when somebody said to me at the beginning of February that they were feeling Imolky, which is not a real word, by the way. She went on to explain that what she meant by it was that feeling that you get at this time of the year, that sudden urge to sow seeds and to get going on the year that surges up in you around this moment. And I do know it, and I did relate to it. It always comes, especially when we get a sudden, bright and spring-like day. All of the ravages of winter are forgotten and we really understand in our bones that spring is actually coming. And although it seems way too early to be sowing seeds, there actually are a couple of things you can get going now. Chilies and aubergines can be started in the heated propagator and this is absolutely time to be chitting your seed potatoes on the windowsill. Yes, we are suddenly there again, with spring in sight. And for me, that is what February feels like. Life returning, daylight hours lengthening, bulbs flowering and even the occasional bee buzzing. And a lovely, familiar urge that I'd almost forgotten to be a part of all that. The naming of February. Gear-Anne in Scots Gaelic. February in Scots at Ulster Scots. Fevra. In Irish Gaelic, Toshacht Ari in Manx, Chwevror in Welsh, Chwevra in Cornish, and Fevri in Gerier. At first glance, it looks a little bit like the languages of the British Isles have very little agreement over the naming of February. All of these look very different to each other and sound quite different to each other, but in fact, most of them do have their origins in the Latin name for the month. Februarius. That in itself comes from februm, meaning purification, 
And the reason for that is that this is often the month of Lent, and it is indeed this year. Lent begins on the 17th of February. However, the Scots Gaelic Giran takes a different route this month. Giran means short month, which of course this is. Manx, likewise, goes its own way, with Toshacht Ari. Toshacht means start or beginning, and Ari means spring, which is a hopeful and optimistic thought. A little less optimistic sounding, perhaps, is the Romany name for the month. Beta Caolo Munthos, Little Black Month. This is uh, the old Welsh Romany name for the month. And it must be a reference to the fact that this is the last of the dark months of winter when the daylight hours are very short. An alternative Romany name for February is Caole Staur Croque, which means dark four weeks, making it sound all a huge amount of fun. As the Romany would have been living in tents at the time that these names were widely used, daylight hours would have been really precious. And the gloom and cold of a short February day would have been pretty hard to bear. Then, as now, Romany families would most likely have stopped for the winter at a place that they returned to every year, one of the Achin Tans, stopping places that once peppered Britain and Ireland but are now sadly rare. This month, however, they may well have set off on the road and camped next to snowdrop woods where the women and children would pick wild snowdrops, gather them into posies and sell them door to door returning to make a stew cooked on an outdoor fire each evening, perhaps eaten with a handful of the very first young leaves of wild garlic. The root cow, meaning black, comes up again and again in their language for words meaning Romany, including caulesco, of a Romany man, and cauliaco, of a Romany woman, perhaps referring to the dark skin and hair the Romany sometimes have, appointed to their probable Indian ancestry. Other related words take it on too, including Kaolenge Patrinio, meaning Gypsy Trail. Already in February, the Romanies will be back on the trail that took them around the harvests and through the seasons of wildflowers, crops, crafting and gathering. The travelling year has begun. Along the bases of the hedgerows that line our country roads and lanes, comes a smattering of hopeful yellow and white this month. Lesser celandine, winter aconite, primroses and snowdrops appear, and if you're lucky you might spot a few purple dog violets in the mix. Wood anemones start into flower this month too. They are an indicator species for ancient woodland, so if you spot them you know that you're dealing with a remnant of a very old piece of woodland indeed, possibly a thousand years old or more. On the warm days this month, it can suddenly feel just a little bit like spring is here. The first butterflies are usually pale yellow-green brimstones, emerging and flitting around the flowers in the weak sun, having overwintered in nooks and crannies in the hedge. Queen buff-tailed and early bumblebees emerge from the holes in the ground where they've spent the winter and visit flowers to drink nectar and strengthen up. Each queen searches for an underground nest site under tussocky grass, and when she has chosen one, she visits the hazel catkins to collect pollen. Back in the nest, she mixes the pollen with wax from her body and lays her first brood onto it. A few of the black berries of the wild privet bushes cling on, but this is a lean time for foraging. Everything has been eaten over winter, 
and so most creatures are still conserving their energies, sleeping or hibernating. Deer may creep along the hedge line, using it for shelter, protection and grazing. And it's time for a spring clean in the badger sets below the hedge, with the badgers pulling out the old winter bedding and dragging in fresh beds of dried bracken and leaves. Male blue tits start singing heartily in February, impressing potential mates that they've made it through winter and with energy to spare. If you're lucky, you may also spot one making odd display flights, which is all part of the show. He will utter a brief, trembling trill before setting off in a parachuting glide towards a female's chosen nest site. Or he might beat his wings shallowly and rapidly, moving between nearby perches. Have a look around your garden this month and see if there's anything you can bring indoors to have some flowers in the house. Here's a few ideas to get you started. A little jam jar of whatever early spring bulbs you have. Aconites, crocuses, narcissus, perhaps with a sprig of rosemary. A glass of snowdrops for Candlemas on the 2nd of February. It's unlucky to bring them into the house on any other day, but you can take your chances if you will or a single branch of flowering camellia in a narrow-necked vase, or even a bud of camellia that can unfurl before you. Food in season in February. There may still be a few blood oranges around next month, but this is their peak, so get some now. Imported kiwi fruits, passion fruits, pineapples and pomegranates are also plentiful and at their best. Leeks, kale and cabbages are still going well outdoors, if starting to look a little battered, and beautiful purple sprouting broccoli is now coming thick and fast. Black truffles are still available. Pears, apples, carrots, swede and parsnips are all still good from storage. This is the final month of the venison season. Clams, cockles and mussels are all in season until March. A lovely thing to do with the blood oranges is to make my blood orange and pistachio cake. It's a really sunny looking cake for a gloomy time of year and it makes use of this fleeting crop. Catch it while you can, though this recipe will also work with navel oranges or indeed any citrus fruit for the rest of the year. What's nice about it is that the blood orange juice makes a very pretty pink icing if you're Valentine's minded. So it's a basic sponge cake with uh, pistachios mixed in and the zest of three blood oranges and the juice of one. And then I mix in the zest and the juice of blood orange into the icing to make the pink icing. We'll put the full recipe in the notes for this podcast. Throughout this month, toads will start to stir, having been firmly tucked away until now in their winter hibernacula where they hibernate, in the mud at the bottom of ponds, under piles of leaves, or dug deep down in the ground below the frost line. Although they have evolved the ability to live their entire lives on dry land, toads must still have water to breed. By the end of the month they will be on the move, the males setting out first, plodding rather than hopping towards ponds where they were born. They have incredible homing instincts and will travel for several miles, moving at night to avoid the sun, steadfastly making their way over every obstacle. 
The only thing that eases the male toad's tricky passage is if he chances upon a female toad, in which case he won't hesitate to climb upon her back and piggyback a lift the rest of the way. Once home pond is reached, the coupled-up pair will breed, or if a female arrives alone, then a load of males will jump on her back to form a toad ball, all trying their luck. Long strings of eggs encased in jelly are laid right across the pond. After 14 days, the jelly disintegrates and the tadpoles drop into the water to begin life in their own home pond. The new moon this month falls on the 11th of February and the full moon on the 27th of February. Astrologers believe that the new moon is a time to make plans and focus on your dreams and hopes for the period ahead, and that each new moon has a particular energy, depending on which zodiacal sign it is in. The new moon on the 11th will be in Aquarius, which is said to be an unconventional and trailblazing sign, making this a good time to give your most inventive thoughts and ideas space to breathe. The medieval name for the full moon on the 27th of February is Snow Moon, Ice Moon, or storm moon. This is the month in which day length starts to really increase by leaps and bounds. During the course of February, day length increases by 2 hours and 7 minutes to 10 hours and 31 minutes in Inverness, and by 1 hour and 36 minutes to 10 hours 52 minutes in Padstow. It's still really chilly in the seas this month. Here's the average sea temperatures from around the coast. Orkney, 7.3 degrees. South Shields, 6.8 degrees. Carrickfergus, 8.1 degrees. Lowestoft, 6.5 degrees. Aberystwyth, 8.3 degrees. Bantry, 10.2 degrees. Cowes. 9.1 degrees, and Penzance, 9.7 degrees. The spring tides are the most extreme tides of the month with the highest rises and falls, and the neap tides are the least extreme with the smallest. It's useful to know particularly when the spring tides are coming, because those are the good times to go mudlarking or hunting for fossils along the coast, because you'll get the really low, low tides around those days. They always follow a couple of days after the new moon and the full moon. So the spring tides for this month are on the 1st and 2nd, and the 14th and 15th of February. In the black bull line, I serve my time to me way, oh hey hoorah. In the black bull line, I serve my time, hoorah for the black bull line. Shanties were working songs from a time when human muscle had to do what steam and oil did later. The shanties kept men working together in time as they hauled and heaved on the various ropes and pumps on a merchant sailing vessel. I've sailed that line full many a time to me way, oh hey hoorah. It's there I wasted all me prime, hoorah for the black bull line. 
This one is called Hurrah for the Black Bull Line, and I've chosen it just because it echoes with the name Little Black Month for February. The Black Bull Line was a series of packet ships that ran between Liverpool and New York from 1816 until around 1850, keeping a pretty much regular timetable from 1822, with two sailings per month in all weathers. It was the first line of sailing ships to take passengers and carried many hopeful migrants to the New World, seeking their fortunes in the gold mines. It was named after its flag, a black ball on a red background. This is a capstan shanty. Heavy jobs such as raising the anchor used a capstan, a sort of vertical barrel with spokes that the sailors walked around, one pushing on each spoke, which would gradually pull in the anchor or other rope. These jobs being particularly lengthy and laborious, many capstan shanties do have long verses and grand choruses for joining in, though this one doesn't particularly follow that pattern. Oh, drink a health to the black bull line, to me way, oh, hey, hoorah. Their ships are stout, their men are fine. Hoorah for the Black Bull Line. February Garden Meditation February is another tough month in which to find the good things. But I think that if there are any, they'll be in the garden. So step outside... Remove your shoes and socks if you're feeling brave and feel the cold earth coming up through the soles of your feet. This can be a grey and gloomy old month, but even if it is, what sort of grey? Is it a solid, heavy, gunmetal grey or a shining and pewter shade? A mottled horse's flank or a thunderous, billowing menace? Today here it's a sort of Blank, whitish grey, proper overcast day. Breathe in the cold air and feel it fill your lungs. Notice the sting of cold rain against your skin. Feel how alive you are. And listen. Maybe you will just hear the rumbling of traffic you might detect a blackbird singing its heart out. Think about how life is stirring all around you and beneath you, unseen, triggered by the incremental change in light levels and warmth. There are visible signs of it too. Rhubarb pushing up from the soil, pure and perfect dangling snowdrops, constellations of winter aconites, and shiny frog and toadspawn in the pond. Thank you for listening to this month's episode. If you've enjoyed listening, please do like and subscribe. All episodes are released on the first of each month. You can read more about the year ahead in my book, The Almanac, A Seasonal Guide to 2021, available in all good bookshops. This podcast has been brought to you by Fern. Fern is a natural fragrance maker based in Somerset. Working with the rhythms of the seasons, they blend, barrel age and bottle four fragrances a year, released at the equinoxes and solstices. Each fragrance is made to order for the names on the Fern production ledger. To join the ledger and find out more, visit www.fern.co.